thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're honored that you're here with us. If you're our guest, a very special welcome to you. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of Cultivate Church. I would love to invite you to be a part of Cultivate physically at Alabaster or Columbiana, either campus at 9 or 10:15 in the next coming week. There really is nothing like gathering together. I can't wait to see you again uh, at a campus here soon. But thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of God's Word today. We're in week three of a series we've titled 10. This year, Cultivate Church turned 10 years old. Come on, we've seen God do incredible things over the last 10 years. But I know that the best is yet to come. And I love the number 10 because it is it represents testimony. It represents looking back. Man, look at what God has done behind us. But it also represents responsibility. And I know that the Lord has still got a call on this church. I know he's still got a call on your life, that God still wants to move in incredible ways in you and through you today moving forward. So if we'll allow him and we'll submit to his word and we'll live our lives on purpose in a way that honors him, I know, <clears throat> I know that he can use us to do incredible things in the kingdom. Well, last week we talked about basic mathematics. What does it look like for me to give God everything privately, and so that that can overflow even publicly and so that it can move in and God can begin to direct my path and order my steps. It's basic mathematics. Really, the Christian faith following Jesus is simple. It's not always easy, but it really is simple. I would encourage you to turn in to check that message out online at cultivatechurch.tv. You can view it on YouTube or different avenues. Uh, God's Word really is incredible. And when we can begin to submit ourselves to it, it is alive and breathing and for us. I love that we get to open His Word every week and we get to say, Lord, speak to us, guide us, direct us. And then today I want to talk to you. Uh, today's title of today's message is It's Complicated. As we continue into this series of 10, multiplying God's purpose in your life, though we know that really is, last week we talked about it, basic mathematics, we know that, that, that really math doesn't lie, it, it, it's true no matter what, we also know that life can be complicated. Though the Christian faith really is simple, it's following Jesus, submitting my life to the Lordship of Jesus. He sacrificed himself on the cross to rescue us from our sins. And from this point forward, we can live a life that honors him as we submit to his purpose and plan for our life. It really is simple. It's not always easy. And life, for many of us, often is complicated. It's complicated. There's actually a mathematical term for that. It's called combinatorial, come on, say that three times, combinatorial explosion. And the term, the, the, the mathematical term, combinatorial explosion, is really the idea, it, it stands for the, the complexity of problems when things are added to it. For example, in a chess match, when you are just sitting in a chess match, when it's not started yet, there's a number of moves that can be made. But every time a move is made, it adds to the complexity of the game. It means more things can happen. Things that couldn't happen before you made that move now are possibilities as a result of that move. That idea, that mathematical term, is this term uh, explaining the complexity that life can be, that mathematical problems can be, as we add 
things to it. So every time a number is added, every time a turn is taken, every time a decision is made, it potentially adds to the complexity of my life. So what does that mean for us today? It means that many of us over the years have made decisions in our lives that have just added to the complexity and the chaos of life. If I can choose to make calculated decisions, decisions that are sought after in the will of God, decisions that are bathed in prayer, the decisions that are, that are, that are made on the back end of wise counsel, then potentially it, it, it slows the complexity of the aftermath. Meaning if I can begin to make decisions based on the truth of God's word and the wisdom of people that he's placed around me in my life, then maybe, maybe life wouldn't be as chaotic as it has become for some of us. I believe that, that life is complex for many of us because for so many years we've just made decisions on whims. We've just lived our life going from one day to the next in the rat race of life, just trying to survive, just trying to get to the next day, just trying to get through the moment, the circumstance, the job, the relationship. When in reality, the potential of God's call on your life is so far greater than anything you could have dreamed or imagined. I believe that it is complicated for many of us. I believe there's probably folks tuning in right now. Life is just complicated. It's difficult. Come on, the relationship, it's complicated. The marriage, it's complicated. The job situation, it's complicated. That's not a, a definitive move of what to do next. And come on, if you knew exactly what to do, wouldn't you have already done it to be able to help and do what needs to be done to benefit you and your life and your family? But what if I told you there are some things that we can do, there's some things that we need to calculate in our lives that I believe would properly align us with the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God in our lives, and we would begin to see the complexity of life slow down. Maybe we could begin to walk out our lives according to the purpose and plan of God. So I want to, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to share with you three things that I, I believe we just need to calculate this year. We need to consider them this year. And so, in doing so, it would allow us to begin to align ourselves with the purpose and plan of God. And as we begin to think through the terms of multiplying God's purpose in our life this year, how can we, how can we do it and it become less complicated as we move forward. So let's pray and let's dive in. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word today. It's alive and breathing and for us. So as we open it and as we read it and as we prepare to learn and gain from it, I pray that it does what only you can do through it. And God, that's it performs spiritual surgery on our hearts, that you use your word to equip us to do every good work you've called us to do. You'll get all the glory and all the honor out of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you're reading there in your notes, this is our theme verse. We've read it all month long. It's, it's Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. Come on, not a complicated answer, not a complicated uh, outcome, but God, a heart of wisdom. What is wisdom? It's Wisdom is knowledge. It's not just knowing something, but it's having knowledge and then understanding what to do with that knowledge. 
God, help me to number my days. Help me to make calculated decisions. Help me to follow you in your word and the guiding of the Holy Spirit so that it can make the greatest difference in my life, in my sphere of influence, because I'm tired of living life just day to day in the here and now. Father, help me to see things through the lens of eternity. So what does that look like? God, if I'm going to number my days and I'm going to cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom, there's a few things that I think that we need to calculate very well this year in order to slow the complexity of life so that we can begin to live our life on purpose in a way that honors God. Number one, if you're taking notes, I need to calculate my company. My company, what does that mean? The company that I keep, the relationships that I have. Right now, maybe you're surveying. Go ahead and survey your life. Survey the relationships that you have. The Bible reminds us consistently over and over again that the company we keep is a great, it matters a lot. Listen, 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, Paul reminds us, don't be misled. Don't be confused. Bad company corrupts good character. You need to know this. There's a difference between an acquaintance and a friend. There's a difference between somebody that I, that, I, uh, that, I, that I run into throughout as I'm doing life and that I'm around on a consistent basis. There's a difference between that and someone who is a close friend, company that I keep. I've learned this in my own faith journey that you become who you consistently hang around. That's not just a biblical principle. That really is a principle of life. You begin to look like who you're hanging around. When we do life consistently with people, we can't help but to rub a little off on them and then rub a little off on us. That whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. My mom used to tell me this all of the time, Brandon, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Come on, you finish that in your mind. If you were tuning in, listening, many of you said it as I said it. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We know these statements, some of them are cliche, but they're true. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Your future is being determined right now. Your tomorrow, by and large, is being determined right now by the group of people you've chosen to do life with on a consistent basis. You can't hang around negative people and have a positive life. I need to calculate the company that I'm keeping this year. God, if you're going to help me to number my days, if I'm going to cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom, then I need to know that the people that I'm consistently hanging around in my life, they're honoring you and they're I'm walking among the wise. So here's some questions that you can ask about your company. Number one is, do they love the Lord? Well, Brandon, I, I think it's okay. I should have people in my life who don't know Jesus. How else are we going to win people to Jesus? I mean, come on, Brandon. Jesus hung around. Sinners, Jesus hung around. The lost, absolutely he did. Absolutely he influenced them. But let's go back and look at Jesus' inner circle. His inner circle were people who had of like value in their, in their, in their decision-making, like-minded. They were chasing after the things of God. Jesus was discipling them 
to become something different. His inner circle looked far different than all of the other people that he ate with and had dinner with and, um, and, and saw in the synagogues and in his outings. That was very different. He had acquaintances who he impacted with the gospel. His inner circle looked very different. Do they love the Lord, my people, the inner circle of the people that I'm doing life with, the company that I keep? Here's a good one. Here's another question to, to survey. Are they generally positive? Are they generally positive people? We just said it. You can't hang around negative people and have a positive life. You can't keep company. You can't allow negativity to stay in your life and expect to see something positive on the back end of it. The company that I keep matters. Do they love the Lord? Are they generally positive? Here's a good one. Are they good or bad examples? Are they a good influence or a bad influence? Listen, husband, are, are, you, are you leaving your family at home and hanging around people who aren't making decisions conducive to a family man who loves his kids and loves his wife and is sacrificing himself for them? Spouse, wife, are you, are you hanging around women consistently who are telling you negative things about marriage and about life. Come on, you need, to, you need to make sure that you're surrounding yourself. The company that you keep, come on, is, is conducive to a life of faith. Is it encouraging you to chase after the things of God? Maybe you're going through a rough spout in your marriage right now and the people that you're talking to are giving you all kinds of advice because, come on, everybody will give you advice. Everybody's got an opinion if we ask them. But the people that you've allowed into your circle, the people that you've allowed into your life, they're not telling you. They're not giving you biblical advice. They're not giving you godly advice. They're telling you everything else that culture would say. Are you surrounding yourself, the company that you keep? The company that you're keeping, is it making a difference, a positive influence in your life? Come on, I'll remind you, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Number two, I'll share with you, I need to, I need to calculate my capacity. I need to calculate my capacity. Listen to this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. You want to write that down or underline it in your notes if you can. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all of the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay, so what does that mean in terms of capacity? Well, here's what I mean by that. Most people, when you hear the term capacity, it's how much something can hold. In other words, if you've got a cup of water and you, you fill it up, the capacity of that cup is only so much. It can only hold so much water. But I believe that we really have the idea when we talk capacity, we've got it a little bit backwards. Many of us, in the terms of our life, when we think of the capacity of our life, we think of it in ways that only, there's only so much that I can take. There's only so much that I can hold. If one more thing is added, I don't know what I'll do. But I, I, remind, I want to remind us, Genesis, the Lord gives us another idea of our capacity. See, capacity can mean all, what, the amount that something can hold, but it also means, if you look at the definition, the amount or the, uh, the degree in which something can produce. What is my capacity of production? Here's what I've learned that you really can only produce what you've allowed God to fill you with. I'm only going, what goes up must come down, what goes in must come 
out. My capacity to produce or to do anything really is a result of what I'm receiving. But the Bible reminds us in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 that God had given them a responsibility. He had given them a capacity to produce, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Go and do. The potential is high. He's, he had a high expectation of what mankind could do. Jesus even did in Luke chapter 9, verse 1. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority. You want to write that down. Power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus had a high expectation. The potential was high for the capacity to do incredible things for the kingdom. Maybe you would sit in this moment and you would calculate your own capacity. You would ask yourself this question, what am I doing for the Lord? Am I living my life on a purpose in a way that honors God? Am I honoring God through my marriage? Am I honoring God through my relationship with my children? Come on, am I serving God in any capacity in my local church or in the community? What does my life look like in terms of my capacity? You see, the potential is high. The same expectation that God placed on Adam and Eve, the same expectation that Jesus and the power and authority that he gave his disciples in Luke chapter 9, the Bible reminds us that we have those same powers, those same authority given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you'll read in the Gospels, much a little after Jesus had given them the power and the authority to go and to heal and to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to proclaim the gospel, there was a moment in which they couldn't do it. The Bible says that Jesus came and the disciples couldn't make it happen. They didn't understand why. They'd been given power, they'd been given authority, but they couldn't produce. Their capacity to produce had been stunted. And Jesus cast out the demon in that moment and his disciples, a little embarrassed, came back to ask Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, you don't understand. Some things can only be done through prayer and fasting. Many of you know we're, in the, we're, we're finishing up the second week of prayer and fasting corporately as a church. See, I've learned that my, my ability to, my capacity to produce outwardly greatly depends on my capacity to be filled up inwardly. What, am, what is my life filled with? So many of us are so worried about, about one more thing, what can be added, one more thing, one more frustration, one more bit of bad news, one more bad doctor's report, one more bad relationship, one more thing to go wrong in my career. I don't know if I can handle one more thing. But I would submit to you today that everything in your life that has happened, everything that's going on in your life is an opportunity for you to take it and pour it out and to make a difference into someone else's life. You see, if I can take my eyes off of myself and I can begin to view and look out across the world and across my own sphere of influence in view of eternity, it could be that the capacity that I have inwardly is everything that I need. Everything that God has allowed to fill me up today is everything I need to make a difference tomorrow in someone else's life. I need to calculate my capacity. My capacity is full maybe because I need to do something something with it. 
maybe I can't handle another thing because I haven't done what God's called me to do with what he's called, with what he's given me to do it with. I would encourage you, you need to serve, you need to pray, you need to give. It's simple. Last week we talked about simple mathematics. It's simple. How do I live that out? How do I begin to expand my capacity to do more for God? You just need to serve, you need to pray, you need to give, and put that on repeat. How can I serve, buddy? How can I serve somebody today? Lord, how can, I, how, can I, uh, how can you order my steps? Give me direction. I want to spend some time in prayer. God, give me an open up an opportunity. Give me an, uh, an open door of opportunity so that I can be a blessing in somebody's life today. Help me to bless my children. Help me to bless my neighbor. Give me an opportunity to be generous. God, I'm going to be a funnel for the generosity, uh, for your generosity through me to the world. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put that on repeat. God, enlarge my capacity to make a difference in the world around me. Listen, if you're tuning in today, if you're listening right here at my, the sound of my voice, you have a purpose. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And He can do far more through you and in you than you ever dreamed or imagined. Expand your capacity. The potential is high. But if you're like many of us and me and my, over the course of my own life, the output is low. My capacity produced may be low, but God's calling us for something greater. I'm going to calculate my capacity this year. And then number three, I'll share with you the last thing, is I need to calculate my commitments. If I'm going to multiply my purpose this year, I'm going to see God do incredible things through me in 2022. If 2022 is not just going to be a repeat of 21 or 20 or 19 or 18, come on, if you're looking over the course of your life and you look back over the years and you go, what really good has been accomplished or done? Maybe today you can begin to reevaluate some things in your life and it might start with my commitments. I love Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. It says this, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Your actions, not your intentions, not what I want to do, what I hope to do. Father, I'm going to commit what I am doing to you. I love this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You know, there's so many things we can be committed to in our life. The truth is, many of our calendars, it's not that we're not doing something. Uh, much of our capacity to do things for God doesn't happen much because we filled our lives with too many other things. It's not that our calendars are empty. As a matter of fact, most of our calendars are way too full. But I believe the Bible reminds us in Acts chapter 2 the, the most valuable things to be committed to. It says all the believers devoted, they were committed, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Come on, what are you committed to? What is commitment? Commitment is something that you do all the time, that you allow, that you allow to happen in your life come hell or high water. It's commitment. I've learned uh, in my own life, I'm 37 years old, I'll be 38 this year. I've learned this over the years. You know what I've learned? People do what they want to do. Just, it's just true. We do what we want to do. Life is never too busy for me to do the things that I want to do. And I know it's really, really easy for us to come up with every excuse in the world as to why we didn't accomplish something. 
fill in the blank. Why I didn't get this done or that done. But the reality is I do what I want to do. My schedule is filled with things that I want to do in my life. It's the things that I'm actually committed to. So when I say, what are you committed to? I'm not saying get out a journal and write down the things that maybe you want people to hear about you. I'm saying pull out your calendar and show me the things that's actually going on in your life. For many of you, it's, it's, it's your career. Your calendar is filled with your career and your family is suffering. For some of us, our children are pack, packing the calendar full and there's no room to move. There's nothing to do. There's no way we can do anything else because of all of the activities that our kids are a part of. And our kids, we're committed to our kids. We're committed to their activities. We're committed to the things that they're doing. But what if... The things I'm committed to aren't actually the God things he wants us to be committed to. You see, the Bible reminds us in Acts chapter 2, they were committed to the apostles' teaching, the study of the Word. They were committed to opening the Word of God together and rightly dividing it and asking God, what can we do with our lives so that you can direct us through your word. They devoted themselves to teaching. Why? Because they knew that the teaching of God's word was the forefront of how they should be living their lives. And so many of us are just not committed to the truth of God's word. We love the idea of following Jesus. We love the idea of being in a local church. We love the idea of calling ourselves Christians. We love the idea of heaven. But if we're honest, we're really not committed to teaching. We're really not committed to learning and, and actually making changes that need to be made so that I can live a life on purpose that honors Jesus. I need to commit myself to teaching, to learning the truth of God's Word. You need to invest in relationships. We said point one was the company that I keep. I need to evaluate the company that I keep. You do need to do that, and you need to invest in the ones that, value, that you value the most. You need to be uh, intentional in investing in your closest relationships. Add value to those relationships. Don't just take, don't just receive from those relationships, but add value. Hopefully, you want to see God's best for those people in your life as well. Invest in relationships. You need to commit to a small group. They shared meals, including the Lord's Supper, together. You need to commit to a small group. I'm going to challenge you. Maybe wherever you are, whatever you're, however you're tuning in, I would challenge you that this spring, <coughs> this spring semester, you need to log on to CultivateChurch.tv. You need to go through the small group section, and you need to find a small group and commit to it. Give it a semester. One semester, I'm just asking you, go all 12 weeks, go, go all six weeks, whenever they meet, however often they meet, go dive in. Get the book, spend the time, pray together, do life together, hold one another accountable, and then, then look back and survey those 12 weeks and see if God didn't do something incredible in your life. We're not meant to do life alone. You need to commit to God-honoring, God-blessed uh, uh, relationships in your life. So you need to commit to your friendships, you need to commit to a small group, and you need to be committed in prayer this year. God forbid that we would go through one more year just winging it, flying by the seat of our pants, hoping that we make it through to the other side. Y'all, there's a better way. 
There's a better way. It doesn't have to be so complex and complicated. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge is that you'll, you'll, you'll calculate your relationships this year. The company that you keep. I believe that you need to delete some friends off your friends list. You need to send a text message and, and cancel that relationship. You need to walk away from that, from that toxic relationship that you've been in. And you need to begin to surround yourself with people that honor God and want his best for your life. You need to calculate your company. You need to begin to survey and calculate your capacity. Come on, what am I really doing with my life that honors God? And you begin to make some decisions. Make some decisions to, to expand your capacity to do more for God. And then you need to calculate your commitments. Here's what I've learned. Little tweaks lead to high peaks. Little tweaks always lead to high peaks. What little decisions can I make in terms of my commitments and my relationships, my capacity to do? What little tweaks can I make that God can begin to use for His glory? So that this year, 2022, God can begin to multiply His purpose in my life. I want to pray with you right where you are. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You're tuned in right now, and it really, all of those things begin with a relationship with Jesus. The company you keep, the capacity to do anything, your commitments, all of those really hinge on, if, is, is, if, is God the number one relationship in your life? Is Jesus number one in your life? Because if he is, then it's a lot easier to, make, to survey those, those thoughts, to survey those principles, and begin to make, accord, make changes accordingly. But it all begins with a relationship with him. And maybe you would, you're tuning in and you're ready for that relationship with Jesus. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I'm so sorry that I've lived my life in my own strength, my own abilities, my own decisions, my own opinions. Today's the day I submit my life to you. I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I follow you as the Lord of my life. I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. Father, in the name of Jesus, moving forward today, I'm going to calculate my company, the company that I keep. I'm going to calculate my capacity. God, give me open doors to make a difference in the lives of people around me. Help me to be a difference maker in my career, on my job, in my office place, in my home. Father, with my children, let them see me as someone who loves you and wants your purpose and plan for my family. God, help me, God, to, uh, to expand my capacity for the gospel uh, in my world so that it can make a difference in the world around me. And God, I pray, God, that as I survey my commitments this year, God, that you would open up doors of opportunity, God, to make a difference in our community and around the world. You'll get all the, pre all the credit and all the honor for it. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. In your name we pray. Amen.